another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be page of who? Jim Bob Foley? Holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop from the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. I'm Will Griffith, and with me today and every day on this podcast are my two companions, longtime Kings writer, currently at the King's Herald, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how goes it today? Basketball is back, so it goes great. Fantastic. Now, best for last, and the reason you've tuned in today, he's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, color analyst a general manager of a WNBA champion, Indiana Hall of Famer, and the true pride of French Lick himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, how goes it today? Well, good. I, I think maybe French Lick needs to get a little more pride, but, uh, but we can get into that a little later. <laughs> okay, so we're going we're gonna to move into, uh, since, since we last talked, the Kings have, uh, have gone on and uh, gone two and two in their preseason. They, uh, they beat Portland in Portland. They beat the Golden State Warriors with a, Somewhat healthy Steph Curry. They bookended those with two losses, but um, they were fairly successful, more successful than I think I would have expected in in their preseason. So let's go to uh, let's go to some general discussion about um, about the team as a whole during these preseason games. Was there anything that you observed, Jerry, that you that you thought stood out with the team as a whole? Well, I, I mean, for me, I, I was preseason is just that it's preseason. I I just hate it. First of all, I just. But it, I probably liked it a little more this year than most years since there are no summer league and, and just, uh, you know, wanting to see some basketball. But having said that, I, I, I was very interested in seeing how Halliburton, uh, Tyrese Halliburton would look. And, and, you know, I'm quite impressed. You know, it looks like to me he's, a, he's definitely an NBA player. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, I don't want to, you know, get too carried away. It's like with, you know, some of the, I think fans want to put him as first ballot Hall of Famer already, and I, I'm, I'm not quite ready there. But, but you know, I mean, he has good. You can see the good instincts defensively, uh, which is rare for a young player. Uh, natural ball mover, uh, good athleticism. You know, uh, definitely you can see a guy that that fits in, can fit in with just about any kind of group on the floor. So, so I like that. I, the only negative I would say, I wish he'd be a little more aggressive. I think he's played a little bit too passive most of the time. I think he's trying to fit in to a fault, and and that's not surprising with no summer league. You know, I mean, I think a lot of that would have been taken care of in summer league. But anyway, Halliburton was the main thing. And, you know, uh, wanting to see how uh, Marvin Bagley, when he did play, you know, just to get some feel of and, – and really, honestly, I can't say that I got any kind of a real feel there. I mean, obviously, you know, Marvin's a talented guy, but – uh, he didn't, you know, just hadn't played enough yet to, to make any, in, in my mind, any kind of uh, real serious thoughts there. I think the biggest thing with Marvin is that we just wanted to see him out there on the floor and playing. Like we wanted to know that he still existed. He wasn't the, uh, the verbial. Yeah, I've got a girlfriend. She's she she lives in Canada. You know that that he actually still yeah. is somewhere on the ethereal plane here, and he could play meaningful basketball for the Kings. And I think yeah, yeah, and that's what you still don't know because you know you want to see Marvin be. You know, I, I think we all do want to see Marvin be a 30, 35 minute player uh, for most of the games. And of course, we can't know that yet. Sure. 
Tony, did you have any uh, any observations there to start off with? Yeah, I'll stick with uh, some of the players we've been talking about already. I thought with Marvin Bagley, what was interesting to me um, versus how we've seen him maybe in, in years before is that he played, uh, I think, zero minutes at center. And I know we're always debating what position is best for Marvin Bagley. We saw him play primarily with the starters next to Rashawn Holmes. He even played a little bit next to Hassan Whiteside. But now that the Kings have two full-size centers in Whiteside and Holmes, there really aren't a lot of minutes for Bagley at center unless it's some spot, you know, we're going to go small for a period kind of deal. But I think uh, primarily we're going to see him at power forward this year. And there, there, there's definitely some debate there of whether that's uh, the best position for him. But like you guys said, it was great to see him healthy. Um, I'm always, you know, kind of overthink. Like Jerry is, is very smart by maybe not taking preseason too seriously. I'm the opposite where uh, anything that happens in preseason will guaranteed uh, to take place in the regular <laughs> season as well. So um, if I like kind of tying the Bagley at power forward thing altogether, one thing that I did notice while I thought there were a lot of uh, things to be excited about, De'Aaron Fox did struggle. And while it's only four games, I do wonder if that uh, lack of spacing, now that you've got two bigs who play in the paint, um, had anything to do with De'Aaron Fox maybe not being as effective as we saw him um, during those eight games in the bubble where he was playing with Holmes or or, uh, Len and Bielitsa at the four, um, another big who can stretch the floor. So that's something that I'm going to look for as we head to the regular season is if this is going to be Walton's starting lineup, with Holmes and Bagley in the front court, um, where does that leave De'Aaron Fox room to operate attacking the rim? Yeah, yeah. Just one one little note on that. I, I think the, the lineup I would like to see or would have liked to seen, and I think would be interesting, and we may see it someday, is Belicia and Bagley together and flip-flop them. In other words, uh, uh, Nimaja guarding, defending the fives, yeah. And uh, basically, offensively, letting Bagley go play the five, you know, in a little, just kind of a little, because uh, I, I really think uh, uh, Marvin could be very efficient offensively as a five, but defensively, I, I don't see that at all. Where I mean, not saying that Nimija uh, would be a great, but he's a lot more physical, and I think he, you know, in other words, you could kind of play a, a version of small ball with some effective low post play, but you know, that's just a thought. Carrying on with that, Jerry, I think that there was some talk of a, a lineup that would involve De'Aaron Fox at the point guard, Halliburton at the shooting guard, and Buddy at the three. That would have also kind of sped up the offense a little bit and maybe got De'Aaron uh, some open shots on the perimeter there, depending on who you throw down in the front court. Um, Tony, you talked about his struggles. Uh, De'Aaron Fox shot less than 15% from three on almost seven attempts a game and shot less than 63% from the free throw line. So Jerry, is there any, is there any cause for concern at that? I know you, you downplay preseason. Is there, is there anything you would think uh, as a coach, I, I need to, I need to pull De'Aaron aside and, and focus on something else or, Hey, we obviously through four games, this isn't quite working. Or do you just let that go chalk it up to it's been a few months without basketball. He'll work his way into it. Well, the, you, you have to kind of let it go, but, but I haven't said that. Yeah. I'd be a little concerned. I mean, uh, if he would, if he hadn't signed a max contract, I'd be less concerned. But, but I mean, sure. you can't divorce yourself from the uh, the obvious. Uh, I mean, uh, sure. you're expecting him to be the guy to take you to the promised land, and certainly in the preseason, he wasn't very good. Uh, that's the reality of it. Uh, his shooting 
woes. Uh, you know, not that he's he's ever been a great shooter, but it seemed like he's made strides and certainly preseason step back. I, so I don't think it's something I'd uh, terribly get concerned about. But if I were the coaches, I'd, I'd want to get him in, in the building and start working on his technique a little bit because certainly I thought it's a free throw line in on his threes. He, he really didn't get full extension and follow through a lot of times. He was just kind of jerking the shot up there. And, and sometimes that, you know, that, that's not going to work, obviously. But but I, I think, uh, you know, we've seen in the past where he shot the ball better. So some, sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, kind of like a, ba- a, a batter being a good hitter, swinging at bad pitches and, uh, you know, getting developing some bad habits. And I think you want to try to nip it in the bud, as Marty Fife would say, uh, if you can. But uh, but no, I, I mean, I was quite honestly, very disappointed in De'Aaron's play because uh, he's the guy. He has to be the guy. Will, you said he shot, was it 7.3 threes or something a game? He shot six, 6.8 uh, three-point attempts a game, and, he, and he's averaging one make. So almost one to seven ratio. That almost makes me feel a little bit better in the sense that, you know, if that's so outside of his normal three-point attempts throughout his career, he's been like a three- or so three-point attempt per game guy, that at least uh, gives me some hope that he's experimenting a little bit, at least with the shot selection, or trying to get himself going. If De'Aaron Fox is taking 6.8 threes a game, I'll be shocked, no matter how good or bad his percentage is, because that's just not his game. It's never been his game. And while everyone wants to see him develop as a shooter, um, those that's some sort, that's like a an abnormal, I could chalk that up to preseason number, where here's a guy who hasn't been working on a shot all summer, he wants to see how it looks in live game action. So he's going to let it fly. If he's taking 6.8 threes a game, I'll be shocked. Yeah. You know, on, on that topic as well, I, I really think that De'Aaron really needs to uh, really focus on getting that mid range jumper. Uh, you know, it seems to me like he's either the, the long ball or all the way to the basket and his quickness. I mean, it, you know, it's, We've got to bring up Baino Udrich again here today. Yes. <laughs> but, but I mean, <laughs> but you talk about a guy, I mean, he could easily, you know, the defenders are going to back off him. You know, he can drive into the free throw line and pull up and, and, and that, that's a high percentage shot for him. And, and uh, anyway, I, I just think he's really, really needs to, to think about that more. I mean, it, the shot will be there for him. And uh you know, uh, once you start, you know, you make some easy shots and a three-point shot as it comes. And I agree with you, Tony. I mean, he really should be a maybe shoot three threes a game or something like that. And uh, and hopefully he hits one out of three and you can live with that. Now, what did you guys think in general of the Kings three-point shooting? Obviously, those first couple of games against Portland, they shot an average of almost 53 pointers a game. Jerry, I know that you don't like a, a game that's all three-pointers. Did that uh, did that make you bristle a little bit? I was doing some bristling. Yeah, I was doing some bristling. <laughs> I, uh, I, I mean, I think they've got three point, good three-point shooters, and, and you want to take good three-point shots. But I, I think in that 50, you could probably throw out 15 that weren't what you'd call high percentage threes. And, and, and my mind is, boy, you, the only time to take a bad, you know, a low percentage threes at the end of the clock or desperation, you know, I mean, so uh, why not? And, and I always use Steph Curry and the Warriors kind of as the example here and Clay Thompson, he's playing at their best. I mean, boy, those guys, certainly they took threes, but boy, they would take the high percentage 15, 18 foot jump shot when it was there. Uh, you know, in order rather than taking a tough three. And, and I don't think enough 
teams really uh, really paid attention to that. You know, something I noticed, the, the Kings taking as many threes as they did, someone like a Nemanja Bielitsa, he shot less than 30% from the three. Um, you have other guys like Rashawn Holmes who was taking threes, and he was taking them at times sometimes where it was like, mm, it's pretty early in the shot clock. You can, you can swing that ball, and, and maybe that shot comes from the corner a little bit later in the shot clock. These weren't desperation threes. These were catch, catching in rhythm. Okay, I'm open. I guess I'll just, I'll just pull it. But some of these guys who you don't expect to take threes were taking them, and some of the guys that you'd expect to make these threes, they weren't, they weren't making them either. Do you guys know one player who shot a lot of threes and made a lot of threes? <laughs> His name is preseason MVP Kyle Guy. Uh, there's your excuse for why the three shot three point shots might have been up because if that's if those minutes are going to Corey Joseph, you're not seeing however many threes Kyle Guy shot a game. I think Kyle Guy's kind of worth talking about. I, I mean, I don't know how much you can uh, take away from preseason, especially if if you're like Jerry and, and you don't put too much stock into it. I'm over here, you know, I'm calling for regular season minutes for Kyle Guy already. I've seen enough. Um, but uh, Jerry, what did you think of Kyle Guy? Did you think he's like? Can he find? regular season minutes or are you just, is this just a extended G league? I like him. Uh, you know, I mean a lot because of what you just said. I mean, first of all, uh, he, his body looks different. He's, he's gotten stronger. Yeah. He's got a little bit of a handle. He can make some plays, you know, he's not a, a non-athlete and a big time shooter. The guy can make shots. Uh, do I think he could, uh, I really think he could get rotation minutes. Uh, you know, I, I think he deserves more of a look there. Uh, obviously, preseason is preseason, but what we did see in the preseason, he was way better this preseason than last preseason. Well, yeah. that's what you want to see. You can't, to, to, to deny that, it being kind of foolish. But, uh, you know, I mean, ha- yeah, it, it, if you're going to give uh, Corey Joseph a lot of minutes, then it might be, be tough for him to get minutes. But, uh, and I like Corey. I mean, it's not that he's not a player. But uh, obviously, uh, Kyle is a is a young is a young guy. You'd like to see if he could develop into a a Seth Curry kind of player, which I th- I see him as. I I thought you know with Seth, he's one of those guys that earned his minutes the hard way, earned by earning them, and he's bounced around a little, but he's proven he belongs in the league because he can really make shots and he can make some plays, and and so Kyle guy can too. You know I. Boy said it's probably not a coincidence that he played on a state champion and a, a national college champion. I mean, there's some some winner in there. I was I was really encouraged with Kyle, just the way he was moving the ball too. That he wasn't a shooting guard pretending to be a point guard. That he had a little bit of a handle, and that he was the assist didn't really turn out that way. He only averaged two and a half assists a game, but he was finding guys in open spots. You know, driving into the lane, using the pressure of his three point shot to blow by a guy, get into the lane and kick out to somebody for a three. And some of those threes didn't fall, obviously, but Kyle was finding them. And then I think that's a big part of it is sometimes guys get those, uh, those horse blinders on and they, they're going to attack the rim or they're going to, and they're going to get fouled or they're going to just get blocked. And Kyle was using that, those opportunities to find guys that were open. And, and uh, that was a thing for me that was, you're going to have shooters in the league and Kyle can make it as a shooter in the league, but if he can add that secondary thing to it that if he, he can handle the ball a little bit and if he can find open guys past the very basic passes I think that kind of opens him up to minutes in the regular season for the Kings yeah and you saw too I mean he really is trying to be a kind of a playmaker now he's not there you know, obviously the quick 
going to beat a lot of people off the bounce and all that. But but he, you know, he he can move the ball. He can get spots on the floor. I've always said. I mean, Mike Bibby was never very athletic. People forget that. He but he was so clever with the ball. He could get spots to his spots on the floor for to make plays and shots. And, and I'm not trying to say Kyle Guy is Mike Bibby, <laughs> but but I mean, he's certainly athletically ever been as much the athlete as Mike was. And, and he does have some cleverness about him and certainly he's unselfish. So, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. Why, why, why wouldn't you try to find minutes for it? I think this is going to be something I, I bring up all season long, but if you're going to have Tyrese Halliburton do a majority of the ball handling and creating for the second unit anyways, who would you rather have off the ball? Corey Joseph okay shooter, but not the shooter that Kyle Guy is. And I'm not saying Kyle Guy is better than Corey Joseph today. I'm just saying if the Kings are looking uh, more long-term than short-term, Corey Joseph is a free agent at the end of the year. Kyle Guy will be a restricted free agent coming off of his second year on the two-way contract. He could be a piece longer term. And if you don't need that bench player to be that primary ball handler, like if it's Tyrese Halliburton, then uh, having Kyle Guy as a lights-out shooter off the ball um, might be a better fit both on the court and then also a better fit if you're looking at a, a long-term piece versus a short-term piece. Can't agree. Can't, can't, yeah, I agree with that. Let's, uh, let's go, Jerry. You were talking to uh, finding your spots a little bit. What, what did you think of uh, Buddy Hield's performance? Obviously, these are in limited minutes, but he took nearly, nearly 10 threes a game. It was nine and a half threes a game, uh, shooting at uh, 40%. What did you think about his, his preseason? I thought a little spotty, uh, but uh, I don't think – Nothing to, you know, jump up and down about good or bad. Uh, you know, I think Buddy's Buddy. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, you want him to find threes. Here again, I, I, I think with Buddy, uh, he settles for tough threes too much still. That's just my opinion. Uh, you know, I mean, he could escape dribble and get some easy twos to where he's taking some difficult threes. And I, I think, uh, you know, here again, I don't want to go back to the Clay Thompson thing too much, but uh, – being a great three-point shooter just means you can get some awful easy twos because you're a great three-point shooter. Yeah. And, and he is, he is a great three-point shooter. So if, if, you know, if I were coach Walton, I would, I would probably just say, you know, let try, try to be a little more selective. Uh, we want you to take open threes and, and if they're not open and you can get open twos, we'll be okay with that too. Yeah. I think he, I think he forced a little bit this preseason and, and the twos that he took were, were somewhat difficult at, uh, as well. He only shot 35% from the field as a whole. And when you're shooting 40% from the three point line, that means that something inside the arc wasn't going well for you. And so uh, uh, I, I don't have any concerns in terms of him being a, a, a good shooter this season. I think he'll have plenty of open opportunities. I, I don't have any concern from him either as a trade chip. I think that he came out and did what he needed to do in terms of if, if the Kings are looking to move on from him and his contract, I don't think a team looks at the way Buddy Hill plays and goes, eh, we can't fix that. You know, he is who he is. He's a good three point shooter. He's a, he's a solid scorer. He, he gives, he gives effort now on the defensive end a little bit, I guess is something that he's prioritizing this season, but I, I'm not necessarily concerned about it. It's just kind of a lackluster. You, you hope that with all this, uh, with his time in the bubble being kind of disappointing that he'd come out and have a strong preseason and it was, you know, blah at best. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree with that. I mean, it wasn't anything you just, okay, boy, buddy's going to have a breakout year. Uh, and, and there's no reason to think he can't have 
<laughs> but, you know, he just, it was just, <laughs> it was just what it was. And, uh, you know, but, but anyway, I, I think with Buddy, everybody in the league knows that Buddy can really shoot. I mean, there, I mean, there, everybody, I, I know, I know, talked to enough NBA people over the years and, and in the last few months, even that want to call and talk about things. And, uh, I mean, Buddy's, Buddy's viewed very highly, probably higher, higher in the estimation of around the league than probably uh, Kings fans uh, are truth, truthfully. Tony, you got anything for us? I see you itching to ask a question here. Uh, well, on Buddy Heald, I'm, I'm mentioning this because it was fresh in my mind. I was just looking at the preseason numbers um, this morning. And uh, what uh, I think the things uh, you guys mentioned about his shooting was disappointing. But one thing that uh, was a positive is I was looking at his uh, turnovers and also his assists. And obviously, he played less minutes in the preseason. So you can't just go by, you know, turnovers per game. They're going to be lower. So I, you know, stretched them out to per 36 against his regular season numbers. And he only averaged about uh, 1.4 turnovers per 36 were in the season. It was uh, up in the high twos to three. So he, he took care of the ball and made much better decisions. I thought in his passing a um, lot less wild. Um, so if buddy healed can be that player. Cause I, I assume the shot will come around. That's the one part of his game that you can sort of bank on. Um, but his decision-making and his ball handling is the part where he kind of gets a little wild. If, and I thought that was improved in the preseason. Again, it's four games, so we're talking about, you know, almost nothing. But if he can be more efficient as a passer, both taking care of the ball and then, you know, finding open guys, I think that's a nice little, you know, a little mini win, a little point of development that you can expect from a now aging uh, young player. But Yeah, yeah, just along that line, Tony, I, I agree with all that. I, I think to me with Buddy, to, to simplify it, it's almost like, all Buddy has to do is, is basically be more selective in his shooting, mm -hmm. in his dribbling, and his passing. And I mean, in other words, just be a little more selective, uh, you know, and, and not, not force shots, not force dribbles, not force passing. And I mean, not to say those things won't happen, but if he, if he can get to that to where the game slows down and he can do those things, he can be really good. How much uh, do you do you put uh, that onus on the point guard as well, Jerry? As a coach, do you do you tell that because there there are situations obviously where you you if you're going to kick it out to somebody to bail you out at the end of a shot clock, you know, Buddy's a pretty good option for that. Do you do you put the onus on your point guards a little bit to hey do not find Buddy in a situation like this, or or is that mostly on Buddy to to take that shot versus passing it off? Well, certainly it, it's on both. I think. I mean, I think the the, the shooter has to take credit for his shots, you know, but, but I mean, you, you, you would like to see uh, De'Aaron. I mean, I'm selfish. I'd like to see De'Aaron be more like Chris Paul, you know, which is going to have control, of the, <laughs> control of the game. Well, well, you know, I can wish to be 40 years old again too, but that's not going to happen. But, but I think that, that, that certainly De'Aaron really does need to be, he's trying to be a leader and he needs to be one, maybe even more of one. And, uh, and it's, and at some point, whether you know the great point guards of the past or present, they they have a pretty good idea of where the ball should go, and when it should go to. And I and I think that in that regard, I think De'Aaron is still very much a work in progress. Is there any other bench guys that you guys want to talk about that that stood out to you? There's a the one one that I kind of liked that I wasn't expecting anything of. I didn't even expect to see him play. Really, was a Chimezi Metu 
who, who got some minutes, uh, you know, kind of in the garbage time of the fourth quarter, who he didn't, he didn't do anything that really stood out too much in terms of his percentages or anything else like that. But he, that bench unit with uh, him and Woodard and Ramsey, it, they, and Kyle Guy, they seem to have a real flow to them after, after a short, you know, after a short camp and a preseason and Chemezi Metsu seemed to, uh, he, he seemed to, to, to be able to rebound, to block shots a little bit. He had a couple of times where he was feeding passes that I kind of went, Oh, I didn't expect him to, to make a pass out of the high post like that, or at the three point line where he was trying to feed a guy cutting back door. So I, I, I wanted to point out Chemezi Metsu for a second, but do you guys have any of those bench guys that you wanted to point out that you thought had a particularly good preseason or did something well? Well, yeah, I, I, I thought met to, I agree with you. I mean, you know, my, my first thought on him and I don't have a, didn't focus too much there, but he, he almost reminded me first while I was watching him of Rashawn Holmes when he first came in the league, you know, a high energy guy that catches your eye. You're, you're saying, well, this guy's pretty good, you know? And I mean, of course, Rashawn to his credit has gotten better and better and better. Uh, but, but it does look like there's an NBA player there. Uh, you know, and he plays with urgency, you know, which usually works out well for guys, especially big guy, big <laughs> athletic guys. Yeah, I definitely hope they give Metu that second um, two-way slot and just hold on to him for another year. Because I thought, like Jerry said, like the energy was was there. And uh, a lot of times when you get to these, you know, garbage time periods, especially in the preseason, um, you have guys, you know, either not having much impact at all. I remember uh, Tyler Honeycutt was a guy that I used to wait for garbage time so we could finally see him play because I was, you know, he was a pretty decent prospect out of UCLA and he would come in and he just, there would be no impact. And you're like, oh man, this is your one little window to make a, you know, a tiny little dent in some playing time and you're just not doing anything out there. Um, whereas Metu came in, got these limited minutes and he was doing stuff for all of them, whether it was showing off a little bit of a jumper energy on the, on the offensive glass or, you know, blocking shots. And I was like, all right, you know, you can't, how much can you tell out of like 20 total minutes of playing time? Not a lot, but at least he's like getting in the mix and doing things. And he's not just letting the minutes pass by him. Like we've seen in so many other um, garbage times, you know, throughout King's history. And the other guy I think that might be worth talking about for a second is Hassan Whiteside. And I'll just say it, you know, from, me who didn't like the signing, uh, thought it was kind of silly, didn't see how it lined up in, in what the Kings were trying to do. I thought we were getting younger. Maybe we're trying to improve draft position. Does it make sense to Ed Whiteside? Um, but I was uh, wrong in the sense that for what he can do every night on a minimum contract, that's just good value. And it's silly to not uh, take, like even if Whiteside's not the greatest fit in the world, he's obviously you know kind of slow for a team that wants to play fast. But his production for contract is going to be fantastic all year. Um, I thought he played within himself, didn't try and do too much. Um, block shots, finished at the rim. Uh, he had, I think he shot like 80% or something crazy, uh, 60% through the preseason. So if, if that's a your bench center, a guy who's going to get like eight rebounds and eight points in 15 minutes and block a couple of shots at a minimum contract, um, I was wrong, Hassan. Uh, good signing by, by McNair. Yeah, I, I agree with that, too. I, I mean, I was one of the guys that uh, I would have preferred to keep Alex Lynn at the Me time. Too. And, and I, I, I still would be okay with that. I mean, I, I, there's no doubt Hassan Whiteside's better. He's just more talented than Alex Lynn, but I just thought the 
the combo of, of Rashawn and Lynn was pretty good because, you know, mm -hmm. but I, I, with Hassan, one thing you're going to get, he's going to protect the basket. I mean, he just is. And now it's, it's also true that probably on the offensive end, he's also going to protect the basket uh, <laughs> in, in a sense, in, in a sense that that's, you know, where Fox and, and the guards really won't have the open uh, basket to go to as much because uh, he's not going to draw defenders away from the basket. I think, you know, the, so you have to kind of factor that in, but, but, you know, for the contract, it just, it's terrific. And he seems uh, honestly, just, I was impressed. Seems to be a very happy camper and, uh, yeah. you know, his teammates seem very, very comfortable with him. So, so to me, like you said, I mean, it's a good signing. You, there's no downside there. He knows he's got to play well to get another contract and, you know, he doesn't want another minimum one. So whether mm -hmm. the Kings can keep him or not, that's irrelevant. Uh, you know, just get, you know, get some good minutes out of him. Yeah. For, I mean, he averaged 17 minutes a game in these, in these two games that he played in, he shot 60% from the field and nearly averaged a double, double 11 and a half points, nine rebounds and, and three blocks. If you can get that in 17 minutes off your bench, I mean, obviously he's not going to average that, but if you can get around that, that's a, that's a damn good deal. And, He's, he's always going to have a good time. He's always, I mean, maybe sometimes a little bit too much, you know, he, he'll hit an and one and, and flex like he just won a championship or something like that. But, <laughs> yeah, but, well. <laughs> but I think that endears him a little bit to his teammates, maybe not to referees or to fans of the Kings or other teams, but that's the, that's the Son Whiteside show that you get. <laughs> Um, so let's, uh, let's go on to, uh, to coaching. Is there anything, uh, we talked a little bit about the three point shooting, uh, and how they've ramped up pretty, pretty heavily, how many threes they were shooting a game, but was there anything on the offensive or defensive end you noticed, uh, that was different in terms of, in terms of coaching, uh, the Kings added, uh, Rex Kalamian, they added, uh, Alvin Gentry, uh, did, did those things, did those things, uh, do they show up? Um, in, in preseason games like the ones that we watched? You know, I think they did. Of course, I like and know both of those guys, Rex Kalamian and Alva Gentry, obviously are kind of NBA lifers. They've been everywhere, done a little bit of everything for different uh, coaches. Very, very, uh, very good, legitimate coaches of basketball. You know, they, they and, and I, as far as what I thought I kind of like to see. I, I thought the Kings did a nice job, you know, zone using the zone defense a little more, especially a little three quarter uh, zone press a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I love that because it, you know, and it's not something you do 35 yeah. minutes a game, but it's a, a nice tempo change. And I mean, I think the Kings have really been erroneous and not using that a little bit because I don't care when you're playing against teams that are more talented than you, it makes them do something different. And uh, just makes them get out of their man-to-man -man sets or their pick and rolls or whatever they like to do, at least for a while. Doesn't mean they won't figure it out, but but I, I like that. I thought uh, that was really good, and and I thought the pace. You know, the team was definitely trying to get it out and get it up, and uh, play at a fast pace. And I and I think this is a team that needs to do that. I mean, if you've got De'Aaron Fox as your guy, and they do well, well. The, you know, he can create numbers with the dribble. Of course, I would prefer they create numbers with the pass. I know I'm old fashioned. Uh, you, I don't, you can actually throw it ahead actually faster. But, uh, but uh, so you see a little more of that. But, but still, I, I like that. I mean, I so I guess in a nutshell, I liked what I saw in that regard. And, 
probably if there's a negative, I, I don't know in my own mind, uh, uh, my little brain is what the rotation is going to be, uh, who, you know, you know, and, and I mean, and I know they probably don't either. And so yeah. that, that, which is kind of what showed up and I'm not, and I understand, but so little time it, it would, and so many guys, especially so many guys that are very close in ability, you know, that's always the lament of the, maybe the team that's not real good is you've got seven or eight guys that are about the same and they all think they should play. And at some point you've got to pick out three or four that do and the rest sit there and get happy. <laughs> Tony, was there anything that you noticed? The, the pace was the most important thing to me because Luke Walton said he was going to do it and Monty McNair said the Kings were going to do it and they actually did it. So great. Through four games, they stuck to their word. The Kings played really fast. Um, something that they didn't do well and I, it just popped in my mind to finally ask Jerry this now that we have someone who knows what they're talking about. Uh, I thought the Kings, uh, once again, didn't defend the three-point line well, and they haven't done that it, since I've been alive, I feel like. Uh, and to me, you know, I'm, I'm just a, a basketball internet fan. It seems easy, not easy, but like just don't leave shooters and close out hard. But these Kings teams don't do that. Jerry, is there something that I'm missing or, or a regular fan is missing with defending the three-point line? Like, why is this something the Kings always struggle with? And is there something from a coaching standpoint that can be done to make it not happen all the time? Like, what, what, is, what are we missing in Sacramento with our three-point defense? Well, I, I can't disagree with anything you said. I mean, you know, it has been. I mean, it's just been a real lament uh, for Kings fans, uh, you know, how the Kings have defended the three ball, especially how we said, you know, when you uh, want to shoot the three ball yourself so much, you should have an idea of what bothers you. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I've always said, you know, back when I was a college coach, you know, I, I, I coached a lot of matchup zones. And so, you know, it's like when we played a matchup zone, I had a pretty good idea, you know, what, what I didn't want to see because of, or what would bother us. So I, I yeah, it, it to me it, it's a simple thing, and I think it's for, where the coaching staff has just got to come together and, and, and make guys uh, pay for it a little bit. You know, if if you're going to say you're fo yeah. focusing on defense, I would say so often we substitute on offense. You know, guys playing poorly on offense, you take them out. You know, if if you've got to you've got to make them pay. You know, the players know playing time's the most valuable thing they can have. Still, I thought you know where guys I call it kind of fake help too much, you know, where they'll drop off deep shooters to, to help on a guy that they're not really helping on. And then they can't get back. I call that my, my Mike Bibby defense. He was, he was an all time great at that of being, just being where you don't need to be to close out to where, you know, you can, cause we see teams do it with buddy, for instance, you know, get out where he has to, you know, basically make him put the ball on the floor, drive him off the line or drive him, right or left something like that but just just get out there and close out on the ball and uh you know i think the kings can do a lot better than that and you know let's be hopeful i think with rex and a new a new coaching staff uh you know certainly experienced guys i think with coach walton at some point it always goes back to the head coach but you know you, you know the old saying well you got the defensive coordinators and all that you know well, maybe in football you have they have control but basketball uh, the, the head coach is a guy that takes guys out of games. And so, 
it always comes back to that. You know, at, at some point, if you want your defense to improve, punish guys for poor defense. So let's move a little bit here now. Um, we've got the first the first real basketball that will be played. It'll be uh, uh, next week. It'll be next Wednesday, the 23rd, where the Kings take on the Denver Nuggets. Um, so let's let's do some regular season predictions here, uh, just or, or at least some discussion on where you guys think the, the ranges for the Kings will be. Um, obviously, this is a big year for them if they're a rebuilding team where there's a, a strong draft class coming up. Uh, but it's also one of those things that if, if they've packed some of these guys and they decide to make a run at it because of coronavirus taking down one of these teams or injuries, you never know where the Kings could take advantage of this. Um, e- either way, this is a big season for them, um, regardless of what they want to do. So I want to see where your guys' head's at in some of these. So the, fir- the first one I wanted to talk about is – is win predictions. Where do you think the Kings in uh, relation to everywhere else in the league up and down, where do you think the Kings land in, in, in their wins and, and, and top, top five, bottom five, you know, wherever you think they fall in, in, in the league. Well, for me, it's, it's, it's tough. I, I mean, it's a 70 supposed 72 game schedule. So, right. So on that basis, I think it's, this is probably a, a 30 win team. Uh, and can be could be as high as 10 in the west uh but but i have a tough time seeing it better than 10 in the west i'm just counting how many teams uh won 30 or less games last year uh we had three in the west and then um one two three four five six seven so seven in the east uh that would have the kings finish um i look see i look at everything sort of about draft position so to me I, th- I think Jerry's right in that this team's going to win in the low 30s, which will uh, not be enough losses if you're looking for one of the higher end talents in the draft this year. That's and, and I don't love the Kings being in that spot again. This sort of like no man's land where it's we're kind of half competing for a playoff spot. We're not quite bad enough. So I think there's kind of got to be two two uh, numbers here, and that's if the Kings keep everybody. I actually think they're like going to be pretty decent. They're going to compete for that plane in the West and they're going to, com- you know, be a pretty, pretty tough team to beat uh, regularly because they're going to play really fast and put a lot of pressure on opposing defenses. And they got some talent. Uh, if they trade buddy and if they trade Harrison Barnes and they do some other moves to make sure they get one of those top five picks that they, they probably need um, that would probably be better for them long-term than competing for the, for the 10th seed. Uh then I, I think they kind of got to go all the way with it and, and hopefully they, they don't win more than, you know, 25 games so they can get one of those top picks. So I think it's hard to predict the number because I, I think Monty McNair um, needs to pick a direction and I think he probably will by the deadline and that will change the, the win total uh, dramatically. Yeah, I, I, if, if I'm prognosticating here a little bit, I, I don't see a, a way where Buddy ends up on this team at the end of the year. I think that, I mean, there's a small chance that he gets traded in the next off season and they use a full season to kind of figure out and see where, where this team is going with him versus him off. But uh, I, I think his, his time on the Kings is short. And so I, I don't have any problem uh, foreseeing them on the lower end of the scale, because I, in my mind, I think he's probably gone along with uh, some guys like Nemanja Bielitsa, maybe Harrison Barnes, who at his contract, I wouldn't mind him being a kind of steadying veteran who stays on the team during all this. I, I, I see them, I see them not getting anything more than 25 wins. 
uh, one of the things I, I kind of look at, okay, on, on just comparing rosters, just looking at, at it on paper, which teams are less talented than the Kings, you know, just pound for pound, which ones don't quite match up. I think you can maybe make a case for Minnesota, but Minnesota has got two guys who are, who are kind of budding stars and stars run this league. And so if one of those or both of those guys gel and they kind of take off, then that's, that's a team that's going to be above the Kings. Uh, the Pelicans, I, 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 you know, they, they had a, a fantastic uh, run for a rookie in terms of uh, Zion Williamson. And, and they were kind of the NBA's darling to, to get into the playoffs last year. And I think that with Zion and the moves that they made this offseason, they're going to be better. Phoenix Suns obviously got Chris Paul, so they're out of that. The, on, the only team that I can see really, really falling is maybe the San Antonio Spurs, maybe the Rockets if they trade James Harden. And I will never, never um, bet money against Greg Popovich. I just, there's, there's been a hundred times where, oh, well, this is the last year of the Spurs. And, and then a decade later, the Spurs are still going. So, <laughs> well, I'm with you there. Yeah, I, I don't, I never uh, would pick against the San Antonio Popoviches, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I, I do think the Kings are more talented than they are. Yes. Uh, and Oklahoma City is the weakest team I've seen. Sure. Uh, and so, you know, I would agree with everything you say. I, I kind of think that uh, Minnesota is going to be worse. But but I, I kind of like what you just agreed. You said. I mean, they, with Carl Anthony Towns, uh, they he's better than any player the Kings have. Yeah. Uh, so you know, sometimes you look at the top of the lineup, and then D'Angelo Russell has been an All Star, and uh, you know the Edwards kid I was watching the other night. Uh, you know, he's got a chance to be pretty good, yeah. uh, pretty quick, pretty quick. Uh, you know, coaching may be an issue there. Uh, the, the, sure. the, that that'll be determined. But but. Uh, well, I tell you, New Orleans. I mean, Zion Williamson. I don't know if you watched him in the preseason, but that's a different animal now. Yeah. That's a scary. That's a scary buckaroo boy. <laughs> and uh, they're and with Stan Van Gundy, they're going to be, they're going to be better. Yeah. And, and Phoenix is Phoenix and sets and, and and those, you know, I I think they're they're just better. Uh, you yeah. know, barring injury injuries yeah. and all yeah, the absolutely. other stuff. So so you know. But, uh, but, you know, it's like we, we just talked about. I, I think the Kings, uh, you know, as they are now, uh, they've got enough talent to, to beat anybody at home on a given night sort of thing, sure. you know, with their three-point shooting. And, and I think with uh, kind of the direction the team's playing, and, and, and I don't disagree with you at all, Will, I, I think if the King, you know, Monty's probably going to have to decide just what direction he wants to go. I mean, you know, if you're in the lottery, you are in the lottery. And, and uh, I always say it, and, and the numbers are, are so different now to where uh, I'm not sure you worry as much about the ping pong balls as you once did, right. because it, it, it is a lottery, a true lottery. And, uh, and, and everybody can't get Cade Cunningham, you know, there's, yeah. he, he's going to go to one team and, and you might be the fifth team and you might get it. You might get the number one pick and certainly looks like, I mean, early on, it looks like he'd be that guy. Let's um. So let's go to individual uh, predictions then. Uh, who who do each of you think will be the team MVP this year? Do you think there'll be? I mean, the obvious the obvious answer here is De'Aaron Fox. Do any of you guys agree that this could be somebody else that steps up? It better not be. <laughs> it better not be. Yeah. <laughs> Way to yeah. put it. 
I, th- I think if Buddy Heald stays, he's got an outside chance only because they're going to be feeding him a lot. They're going to be giving him a, a lot of minutes in terms of wanting to showcase him. But in in terms of a trade value, he might be the most oh, valuable piece oh, outside of hey, 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 you don't have to show. Buddy will feed himself. Don't worry about Buddy. <laughs> buddy, will, buddy will get fed. You can rest assured. Yes. <laughs> um, team Rookie of the Year, do you guys uh, have any any wild card predictions on who that might be? Or, or of the rookies, do you see somebody stepping out further than what you'd originally thought they might based on the preseason? You mean on the Kings? Yes, on just just on the Kings, yeah. Oh well, well Halliburton, obviously. Uh, sure. I mean, yeah, he's. I, I don't. I haven't seen enough of the other two to make any kind of judgment. Uh, uh, Woodard seems interesting. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, Jameis is, is. I'm not sure he's a player, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he Jemias is a little young still. He he definitely is one of those guys that you watch and you went. He 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 would benefit from a G League this year. He would have done very well in a summer league. Summer league, summer league, and absolutely, it's not just not fair. And I mean, there's a chance he can be a player, but it, you know, it's just not going to happen. I don't think this year with the Kings, with all the players they have. Obviously, you know, Fox should and will be the MVP of the team, but I think Halliburton could be the best uh, defender on the team. You know, I think already his instincts on defense, um, and I know, you know, some people will will talk about that the, the steal number and the, and the block number don't, don't mean a whole lot. Cause they're just, you know, a, a steal and a block doesn't mean that you got the possession. So maybe it, it overrated as, as a stat, but I think regardless, uh, Halliburton's instincts on defense, um, he seems further along on defense than offense, honestly, in the preseason. And I, and I wasn't necessarily expecting that because you don't expect uh, rookies to, to play defense. You expect rookies to score first, but I think from, you know, if you're looking for something, I don't know if it's a hot take, but something maybe interesting that that you could say about one of the rookies on the Kings this year is that if Halliburton becomes sort of their stopper and you saw him play really good defense against Steph Curry, he was the he did a much better job than Fox, frankly, on, on Curry in those two nights. Um, so if he if he can be your best defender, um, it probably says something about your overall <laughs> uh, defense that the rookie is the best one you got. But the Kings needed to start drafting for defense at some point, and it looks at least through four preseason games they got a, a pretty good defender there i would say you know that what you would love to see uh, you know is that uh, you know you fox needs to be the mvp and that but you'd love to see it become bagley sure you know that would be awesome i mean yeah. now i don't but but i mean that's what you would love to see now my only other thought on Halliburton, and i agree with everything you said i, I his instincts are good you know and and i and i think steals are a great stat i mean uh, you know, that's, and that blocks are overrated because you don't always get the ball back, but steals, you actually got it. Sure. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> so, so that's, uh, that's terrific. And I, I think he shows a lot of promise there. I, I'm not sure he's as good a defender as Corey Joseph mm. yet. That's a good point. That's fair. I think Corey's still, I mean, he's a hard nosed, tough buckaroo and he brings it every night, you know, I mean, so we can disparage him some other ways, <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I, uh, but I mean, in fairness, you got you know just being fair, yeah. to, being fair to the guy. Sure. So let's uh, let's go then to um, who do you think leads the uh, the Kings in points this year? It better be Buddy. Yeah, yeah. I I, I see I see a scenario where uh, Buddy starts to struggle in the air, and Fox has to carry more of a workload, 
and he and he does that and the kings are pretty much tanking to the uh 15 wins you know or something would really have to go wrong if buddy healed is not the guy getting your most of your shots and getting getting the the uh, the highest percentage of your points tony you you look like you have something contrary i think buddy is uh so Buddy is going to benefit from the fact that the Kings have a lot of non-aggressive players. I guess that's kind of why I was smirking because we're always talking about, you know, wanting De'Aaron Fox to be more aggressive, wanting him to lead the team in scoring. Uh, Harrison Barnes isn't a particularly aggressive offensive player either. Uh, Rashawn Holmes pretty much only takes, you know, floaters and, and dunks. There are going to be a ton of shots for Buddy Heald in the starting lineup, and he's going to take all of them. <laughs> so for as long as he's here, uh, I think, I mean, his number, he, he might have some ridiculous uh, scoring games this season because with bogey out and, and so much of the offense falling on buddy um, he's going to score a lot of points. Yeah. He, and, and, and he's hungry. I mean, that's the thing about buddy and I mean, he needs to be, I mean, uh, you know, great uh, scores, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, he's got a little selfishness in him, a little hunger, hungriness in him. Well, you want that though. I mean, uh, you, you, you yeah, know, you need I mean, that. For sure. Reggie Miller. I mean, that's what you, you want a guy that's looking, hunting for shots. Uh, and uh, they've got some big cojones to take big shots and that's buddy. Uh, and I think certainly Fox is better. If buddy is efficient scoring, it opens up things for Fox and everybody else. So, uh, you know, we'll see, but, and then uh, if in fact they want to move buddy, it's still, there's no downside to having buddy playing at a high level. I don't, you know, that, that, that's, decisions for the front office for the long-term franchise and all but uh but i think buddy's uh i'm a, I'm a bigger fan of buddy than most i think you can tell that i, I just think uh a guy a guy that uh, is a hard working uh, he's a tough-minded guy uh he's not you know he makes bad decisions he shoots bad shots he does a lot of things but but i mean that guy if you you know if you can get him on track i mean he can be a big time productive shot maker King's got a lot of big guys now. Who who do you think leads the team in rebounds? You think that's a Hassan Whiteside music? Do you think uh, uh, somebody like uh, like Rashawn Holmes gets those starting minutes? Do you think Bagley steps up? Which which one of these guys do you think leads the Kings in rebounds this year? I'd be surprised if it's not Whiteside. I mean, he just is simply uh, he is going to be around the basket. Uh, you know, he's not going for defensive rebounds and, and, and his length and all. I mean, it depends on minutes, but if he gets equal minutes to Bagley and Holmes, he'll, he'll out-rebound him. I'm going to make a, a hopeful selection. Um, so I, I thought Rashawn Holmes was awesome last season, like even better than a, a lot of people probably thought that he was. I was really into what Rashawn Holmes did last year, and it really sucked that he had his season cut short with injuries um, if he can stay healthy and play 30 minutes and I'm happy that Luke Walton is still trusting him to be the starting center, because you could have seen a, a competition there between him and Whiteside as who, who would start and who would come off the bench. Um, but I think if Rashawn Holmes plays, like, I think he can play, he will get a majority of those minutes at center. And by virtue of playing more minutes, he will, uh, lead the team in rebounds. And that's me being, um, pretty high on 72 games of Rashawn Holmes. I am excited to see what that stat line looks like at the end of the year, if he can stay healthy throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I think it's the minutes. I agree with you there, Tony. I mean, it's all about minutes, but I I think if it's equal minutes, the reason I'd say there's no way is because Rashawn will go out and guard guards 
uh, yeah. you know, where, I mean, he's going to be out on the floor and he, he can do it. He's terrific at it. Hassan really isn't very good at it and won't do it. <laughs> so, uh, so he's going to be in position for defensive rebounds, I think on a much more consistent basis, given if they both play 24 minutes, I believe Whiteside will not rebounding easily. If that's the case, and I'm with you, yeah. uh, you, you'd like to think that maybe Rashawn could be the 30 minute guy, uh, but we'll see. Let's go to let's go to a league wide now. Who do you who do you Jerry think the uh, most valuable player the league is going to be this year? It's very popular to say that it will be a first time MVP, um, like a Luka Doncic. Or um, so give us your opinion on that. Who do you, who do you think ends up with the uh, with the big one in the end? Well, I mean, I know who probably is the MVP. It's a guy named LeBron James. I don't know if you've heard of him. <laughs> have, yeah, yeah. Uh, but 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 we're you know we're we're all tired of him, so we can't give it to him. Uh, kind of thing. Uh, a little bit like the Michael Jordan, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar kind of thing. You know, where uh, you know you give it to Carl Malone just because you're sick of giving it to Michael Jordan, <laughs> and, and and not that and and you know not that he wasn't great which he was but i i would say lucas got a chance uh, lucas got a chance i mean if if uh you know for the first time i mean Jokic, uh Jokic could uh, come into it possibly but jimmy butler i think uh you know is looked at very differently now you know anthony davis uh, might actually be the beneficiary of, of basically being on the best team and not being LeBron and, and, be, <laughs> and, be, and being great. And of course, uh, Adetokounmpo is still, you know, he's won two straight times. And, and uh, so, so there's that, but uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's not going to be James Harden. How's that? And, <laughs> but, and, and I'll, I'll tell you the other one, and, and I think might actually be, I would almost put number one right now is if he stays healthy is Kevin Durant. Uh, you know, I, just watching him in the preseason, I'm telling you, you know, he is big time, big time there. And uh, if he stays healthy, you know, they're going to win a lot of games. And uh, and it'd be, you know, and we know he's good enough. So it'd be a little something different. And, you know, coming off the injury, it'd be easy to easy to pick him. I, I'd probably, probably say his chances are better than Lucas probably right now as a first, you know, something different. Yeah. I was going to say um, as a little dark horse candidate, uh, Kevin Durant too, because he's looked great. And this is the first time we've seen him in his prime on a roster where there are uh, infinite shots for him. I mean, Kyrie's going to take some shots too, but he's not playing with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson anymore. And he's not playing on a team that, uh, already has a system that works for them. He's playing on a team that's his team. And in a weaker conference, uh, well, the East is better this year, but even still, it's not the West is always going to be a little bit stronger. Um, so I think Kevin Durant, if he's healthy, is is going to be uh, great. And also a, a super, super sleeper pick, um, just because I don't think we've mentioned him yet. I'll throw out uh, Damian Lillard, just because I think Portland got better this summer. Uh, well, it's not the summer, I guess. It's uh, this offseason, I should say. And uh, I, I think they're going to be very good. And I think he might get that lifetime achievement award kind of MVP because he's an NBA darling. Like the media members love him. He's stayed in one place his entire career. He's the, he's one of the few remaining uh, players who doesn't act like he's friends with everybody else. Um, so I think there is some 
there is a narrative there and the MVP is all is uh, historically been like a, a narrative driven award. If you have a good story, then, then uh, you can come out and win it. So I think, you know, a- along with Durant, I would say Lillard is sort of a sleeper pick who could, could have a nice narrative by the time the season's over. I'll tell you one other one too. I, I think I'm not saying it'll happen, but I think it'd be kind of interesting is Chris Paul in Phoenix. Yeah. If, if, you know, all of a sudden Phoenix not only makes the playoffs, but maybe does something in them, well, you know, he's, you know, I mean, he won't win it, but I mean, the damn, the damn guy is a difference maker. <laughs> I mean, he just is, and, you know, he's, and staying healthy is the main thing with him, but I mean, he made Oklahoma city so good last year. And I, I, I just, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm on board with him, you know, with Phoenix, with the young guys they've got. He, he, sure. he could, he should, you know, he should merit consideration. That's for sure. Much like Damian Lillard. Sure. Uh, one guy that I've been thinking of that he, he's he's in the category of somebody who won't win it, but will will make some noise a little bit from from at least his fan base is uh, Russell Westbrook that he goes to a franchise in Washington where he's going to be the guy again. He's going to want to average his triple double. And uh, if he can get the Washington Wizards up in the top five in the East, if he can, if he can pull some magic out of the hat for that team, he'll at least garner a little consideration having moved away from James Harden. I, I think that Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think he's the leader in the clubhouse just because he's won the last two and he hasn't gotten worse and he hasn't gotten injured. And so he's one of those guys that he'll be like a LeBron. I feel like that every year that he's in it, as long as the Bucks are a top one or two seed in the, in the, in the East, he's, he's going to be one of the most valuable players in the league. Now you do know the, the best player that we missed, right? That could very well win it. A guy named Steph Curry. He plays for the, the team not too far from here <laughs> and, and, and has wanted in the past and he's back healthy. So, uh, so, you know, true. yeah, he looks yeah, ridiculous yeah. already. He yeah. looks awesome. Oh, he's, uh, he, he is so much fun to watch if he wasn't playing for the Warriors, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but he, but he said to a classy young man, I, I mean, yeah, really he's, you know, he's, a, I've always said he's the greatest creative shooter I've ever seen. You know, I, I mean, uh, uh, he makes, such a high percentage of tough shots it probably uh really really hurts a lot of other shooters sometimes like to talk about buddy that think they can do the same thing (laughs) and uh you know and i mean steph is steph and uh you know yeah i mean if the warriors would would make a run of some type uh, you'd have to think have to put him in that category wouldn't you absolutely all right let's move on to uh let's let's go to the uh, 20 uh, the 2021 rookie of the year. Who do you guys think out of this, out of this kind of uh, flat group of uh, young players here? There's no one that really distinguishes themselves too high. Um, each one of them has their own situation that benefits them from like one to 12, really, that they could win it. So, so who do you guys think ends up with, uh, with the rookie of the year this year? I tell you the, the, the best player I've seen is I, I don't know if he'd be counted as rookie because he played a little bit last year as a kid at the Lakers, Taylor Horton, something. Horton Tucker. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that guy is good. Now, I mean, I, I know he played a little bit in the bubble and mostly G League, so I don't know how that works, you know, if he's played too much or, or if you play in it all that you can't be considered uh, as a rookie, but I, I mean, if, if he's considered a rookie, I'd, I'd put him at the top. I think that the way that goes is that if you only played in the bubble as a rookie, 
then you then those don't count towards you and you're allowed to be a rookie like a they discussed this with a bull bull over there in in denver the den that he'll still be designated as a rookie in terms of rookie of the year because he didn't play in the regular season but played within the bubble so i don't know if tail and horton tucker played in the regular season for the lakers but that kid you're right is he came out of nowhere and where he's got such freakishly long arms for being six four and having a seven foot plus wingspan seven yeah huge hands i mean huge just hands. you know michael jordan kind of hands and and uh uh, no, he's uh, I mean, he's terrific. Now, I, how many you know minutes he gets on a stacked team that that could probably have more to do with it than anybody. And and I think usually rookie of the year it comes down to stats. So yeah. you're going to look at guys who get a lot of minutes, and that's where you know Tyrese would have a legitimate chance. I think he's yeah. going to get minutes. Uh, Devin Vassell, uh, you know, at uh, San Antonio has looked yeah. very good to me. The Okoro. At uh, uh, Detroit, uh, I mean, or I think it's Detroit. It Maybe Cleveland. I'm not sure. Uh, nobody cares either one. <laughs> Cleveland, yeah, <laughs> you know. But uh, but uh, you know, I mean, I, I think those guys. You know, Edwards. Hard to say. You know, Lamelo Ball is going to get the most attention, but he's going to have to, I think, uh, uh, guard a little better than things. I mean, he. Uh, you know, I. I get a little offended when they everybody gets excited about his passing, like, oh, he's the greatest passer since sliced bread. And I say, yeah, he does everything Jay Will used to do, except not near as fast and not near as well. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, and, he's, and, and he's even the worst defender. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tony, who do you think is going gonna, is gonna, to uh, get that shot at the rookie of the year? I think I, I'm trying to remember exactly what year Michael Carter Williams won rookie of the year, but that was the year that it stuck in my mind. Like, all right, they're just going to give it to the guy who has the best numbers, regardless of what the team did or, or impact. Um, and in that light, I'm going to go with someone who is not my favorite rookie in the class, but he's going to play a ton of minutes and he's going to produce a ton because their team is terrible. And that is Obi Toppin. I think Obi Toppin is pretty NBA ready now. He was pretty good in the preseason too, and I like him. He's not my favorite player in the draft, but I think he's a ready-to-contribute-now guy on a team that has nobody. And uh, I think, you know, speaking uh, back to my point about narratives, I think throw the Knicks uh, a rookie of the year. It's a nice little story for them, and he's probably going to earn it too because his numbers are going to be unreal. So that would be my pick is he'll be telling yeah, I- I, I can I can see the narrative building there too that oh Obi Toppin New York finally has their their young star and he's a local guy too he's from New York so there's a, a plenty of plenty of story in there. Do you guys give any chance to a James Wiseman who will, who obviously be on a team where if if the Warriors are are on a hot streak and James Wiseman is playing well do you lend any credence to him getting a shot at it? Well, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean. I think he he really will. I'd be surprised if he doesn't fit very well early. Now, you know, here again, no summer league, hasn't even played in the preseason. And I think it, it may be a slow start for him. But if they, you know, if they win, he's going to have to be a big part of it. I, I really think that Anthony Edwards gets a shot at this one where he's playing on a team that they're, they're going to be, they're going to be bad, but he's going to have attention on him being the number one pick where if they do anything outside of, of where people expect them to be, some of that credit's going to go towards him. He's a he's a big guy. He's a he's a you know he's from the preseason. From what I've seen, he seems to be pretty active on defense. Where that was kind of a, a kind of a knock against him. 
and he can score the ball too, where he's going to be that second or third option on an offense. If, if the Timberwolves go uh, on a run and get the, the ninth or 10th seed, he's going to get a lot of attention on him as well. He's kind of my favorite in the clubhouse for that, for that pick. Okay. So let's go to a defensive player of the year. Who do you guys think, is this going to be a Giannis Antetokounmpo sweep again? Or, or, or who do you see as the, uh, an impactful defender who could break through for the very first time? Well, I, I like Marcus Smart a lot. Uh, I mean, the guy impacts games when he goes in. I mean, Adetokounmpo's tough to, to go against him. You know, I mean, Draymond Green, maybe if he decides to play this season, he, uh, took one, took, he took last one off, <laughs> so he should be ready. And, and, uh, I mean, those are some guys that, you know, come to mind, but, uh, yeah, the reason, yeah, I like Marcus a lot. Cause I mean, he, you know, the old, uh, like I said, I've said many times, you know, I mean, he's a guy that players in the league do not want to play against. I mean, really, he just intimidates a lot of players and, uh, and, and, and for the most part, uh, you know, is one of the three or four best players, even though he's probably doesn't have that level of talent. Um, I will go with uh, just a, a different name because I think that, you know, there are some guys that, that are always going to be in contention, but maybe a new contender um, who, who might be the best perimeter defender in the league because he's so versatile uh, and, and he's going to have some extra motivation this year now that he's been in some trade rumors. Um, but I'll go with Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, ben Simmons led the league in steals last year. Um, ridiculous athlete. He can guard, you know, one to four pretty legitimately. A lot of guys, I, I'm reminded of Willie Colley Stein, who everyone said he could guard one to five, but in reality, could he guard one to five? Probably not. I think Ben Simmons is someone who people talk about his versatility on defense and he can actually back it up. Um, and he was recently in those uh, James Harden trade rumors. If he sticks around in Philly or if he goes to Houston, either way, there might be a little bit of uh, him feeling like he needs to prove himself in some kind of way. And, and I think for uh, maybe a outside, outside the box name, I'd go with Ben Simmons. You know, the, the, the sad thing about Willie, as you brought it up, uh, uh, he, he actually could guard ones better than they could guard fives. That's really yeah. kind of the problem. When he switched out, it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, which is, yeah, it's kind of, that's yeah. kind of why I think it didn't work. You know, you, you kind of want to be good at guarding the fives and if you can guard ones, that's really a bonus. It's kind of the reverse. And I was the guy saying he could do all that. I mean, I was the one that was wrong there, but I remember watching him at Kentucky and thinking like, this guy is going to be the best defender in the league. Like he, He's so nimble for any so long and he was jumping out on picks and hedging out and guarding guards. And then it, it just didn't work out for him. But um, I, I was, I was making fun of myself there for, for well, you, well, you no, you were actually kind of right. I mean, it just, I mean, it, Willie, the reason Willie is where he is, is, is not cause he couldn't do enough to be a, a player. It, Willie is just Willie. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, I've always said forever, Willie Cauley Stein, there's a Dante Green, there's a, you know, mm -hmm. there's guys that, that should have had very productive, long careers, but they don't because of them, really. 
you know, I, uh, uh, I was talking to somebody about it who was really excited uh, for Tyrese Halliburton. And they're like, oh, did you see all these steals? And, you know, the one where Tyrese kind of picked it out of the air right off of a pass. And they were, they were very, very excited about it. And I said, oh, you, you need to calm down just a little bit. And they were like, well, why, why, are you so, uh, why are you so begrudging about this? And I said, well, I was watching a summer league game with Willie Cauley-Stein where Willie Cauley-Stein chased down a point guard right before halftime and blocked him given the point the point guard had a you know a 20 foot lead on him and Willie still chased him down and blocked him right before half of his I think it was his first or second summer league game ever and I had never been so excited for a prospect that the Kings had had ever I was I mean I I was texting friends saying we've got defensive player of the year for the next 10 years locked down we are happy to have this and and the, the, the gradual disappointment over Willie's career has been so great that it's poisoned me even for getting excited about a Tyrese Halliburton. So uh, he's one of those guys that, man. Yeah, you got to pump the brakes a little. I mean, yeah. I, I think the kid, kid has done everything you could ask him to do, but, sure. you know, it, it'll, it'll all work out. My, uh, my, my defensive player of the year that I'm picking here is I, I, think, it'll, I think it'll end up being uh, somebody like an Anthony Davis. Who is uh, who leads the team in blocks and steals and defensive rate, and he's going to be playing on one of the top three or four teams in in, in the league. Uh, they're a defending champion. I, I think that because he's not going to get much in the way of MVP consideration as long as LeBron is there, they're going to at least give him. There'll be a narrative there. There'll be a discussion there to well, we can at least give him the Defensive Player of the Year award for for what the Lakers do on the defensive end. So he's my he's kind of my uh, my pick for that. Couldn't argue that. For me, the biggest thing is, is what's the story? What, who, who, who wants to write the piece that, that defends Anthony Davis's rookie or a, a defensive player of the year. And that's an easy one to tell, you know, you got LeBron, you got all, you know, it's, it's the Los Angeles Lakers and it's good when they've got awards. So yeah, you know, go ahead give it to Anthony Davis. Okay. So six man of the year, then you guys have any candidates, obviously somebody like a Montrezl Harrell, he's, he's moved on to another team. You've got guys the last couple of years, like an Eric Gordon, who's obviously fallen off. Lou Will is still there. Uh, wh- who do you guys think breaks out here for a sixth man of the year? Jerry, I think it might be your defensive player of the year. I think it might be Marcus Smart. Well, he certainly could. Yeah, you know, he definitely could be because uh, that's his best role. I, I mean, you look at guys like a Will Barton, the uh, Denver, now whether he'll be sixth man or he or Michael Porter Jr., probably one of them will. And they both, that's going to be a winning team and, and they're going to put up numbers on a winning team off the bench. So that's always a pretty good place to start, I think. Uh, you know, a, a guy that's not going to get it and, and will get no consideration, but I think ought to, is Jordan Clarkson. Uh, you know, the guy <laughs> scores. I mean, that guy, <laughs> I mean, he, he's all, yeah, he scores. I mean, he's going to score. And uh, he's going to play on a winning team. He's going to score a lot of points. And, uh, you know, and, and he might get a mention, but he's not going to win it. But he might actually, uh, I mean, his credentials will be there. I mean, he, he the last couple of years has probably been better than Lou Williams, uh, which, you know, Lou is the, you know, the gold standard of six men if you go <laughs> for 10 years. <laughs> Tony, who do you got? I'll go with uh, two local names, one local to me and then one local to everybody else, sort of. <laughs> um, so I don't know if this is true. I just saw a tweet. Maybe I'm wrong. I think Bogdan Bogdanovich came off the bench in the last preseason game for the Hawks or the last two. Uh, if he's going to be a bench player for them, 
I think he has a real legit shot at six man of the year because number one, he's obviously very good, but the Hawks are going to be decent too, or at least they, they should be. And as far as like stories to tell, uh, the Hawks are now a playoff team. Bogdanovich was their, one of their biggest additions. If he's coming in off the bench and producing, uh, or I'd even say if Gallinari comes off the bench, he'd be a candidate too uh, there. I think either one of those guys, they got some good players and one of them is going to have to come off the bench. And then another name that is just fresh in my mind because I was watching the other night, um, Jeff Teague in Boston. I'm not a, a huge Jeff Teague fan, but Kemba Walker's hurt a lot and they're going to probably try and limit his minutes to some degree anyways. And, and Teague's the guy that is going to produce uh, something, whether that's assists or, or points. He's been a, a pretty productive player for a lot of years and he's going to have a, a maybe a bigger role in Boston's bench than a lot of other guys just because Kemba Walker's so in and out. So he might have some nice numbers at the end of the year too. I think a couple guys too. You don't know what really Miami will do, but either Tyler Hero or, or Goran Dragic, you yeah. know, one of those guys may come off the bench. And if who whichever one does would be a strong, obviously strong candidate because they're going to win a lot of games and they're going to put up numbers and they're both deserving. I think depending on on how the Nets do too, I think Spencer Dinwiddie is a candidate there. If they don't use him in a trade for James Harden, with it, I think Spencer Dinwiddie will have a really strong season. And uh, the other guy in my mind was uh, Dennis Schroeder for the Lakers, only because he, he's, a, he's a starting level point guard in my mind, and he's going to get plenty of minutes there in Los Angeles. Yeah, he's a great, that's a great uh, name there. I mean, Schroeder, man, he was so good last year and Oklahoma City, of course, he didn't start, but he played more minutes. You know, you know, it's you know, you, you know, they needed him on the floor. A guy, yeah, that's a great name. I think he'd be right up there. Well, let's let's move now, Jerry, onto a onto a, a question from our from our Patreon subscribers for you, Tony. You want to you want to take that away? All right, let's get to our Patreon question of the week. If you are a Kings Herald patron at any tier, you can submit questions for Jerry that could be selected for this podcast. But if you submit your question and you don't hear it on the main show, don't worry, it will get used in our monthly Patreon-exclusive Q&A with Jerry. We posted one in November, and the uh, Q&A with Jerry for December will be up soon, this week. So if you are a patron at patreon.com slash kingsherald, you can ask Jerry anything. Just send us your questions, either in a direct message or as a reply um, in the comment section of our question submissions post. Today's question comes from Joseph H., and he has a question about the Kings' schedule. Joseph H. asks, Hey, Jerry, when the Kings' schedule comes out every year, what are the games you are most excited about and why, and are there games you don't look forward to and why? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, there, I, I guess it would always come down to, to the opposition. Uh, you know, there's teams I love watching. Uh, certainly, you know, I like, you know, uh, Milwaukee, but, you know, f- just because they're good. And of course, have a major star uh, Lakers because <laughs> I hate the Lakers and they're they're great. Uh, Golden State, because I don't hate them, but but I don't like them because, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just a child, I guess. And I, uh, and then, you know, and, and I'd say Denver. I mean, I like Denver because I really like watching them play. I really think the world of Michael Malone personally, and think he's a terrific coach. And but, but I like watching them play. So uh, you know, that's that's kind of the way it is. That's kind of the way it is when I'm watching at home. You know, I'll just uh, you know, for the most part, now that I'm retired, I watch the teams I like to watch. You know, and and so it they you know they 
certainly want to have stars and, and be fun to watch. That, that's kind of why I've, the last few years I, I try to avoid watching Houston. I don't like watching them, you know, and have, now that I thought about it, I really have made a point to watch Dallas because I really like watching <laughs> I like watching Luca and, and and Rick Carlisle's a, a great coach. I mean, absolutely a great coach. So, you know, that's just, you know, I'm sorry, but I like watching him. <laughs> I really do. Could have been watching him 72. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I avoid watching Dallas play for the exact same reason. I love watching him play and I can't do it. I can't do it. So I'll just catch the highlights and, and that that's good enough for me. Let's, uh, let's go on now to uh, the Reynolds wrap-up. Jerry, what's your wrap-up for this week? Uh, well, I, I think just more than anything else, just uh, the fact that the preseason, we had one. You know, it went through, uh, I think, amazingly well uh, just for, for the league. You know, I was very concerned, you know, with the COVID and all the stuff. Uh, seems like it went smooth. And, and so there's reason to believe that the uh, league will get started and hopefully uh, – can uh, get 72 games in uh, with not too many distractions. So uh, I think real credit to the NBA. And uh, obviously uh, we're all just very hopeful that what happened in the preseason will carry over into the regular season. And, and then one final thought, I, I really was quite honestly amazed at the level of play in the preseason with so limited practice time and all, not saying it was great or anything, but it was way better than, than I thought it would be. And not, you know, and because and, I watch quite a few teams, not just the Kings. And uh, so, it's, so it's a real kudos to the NBA. Well, for everyone here at uh, the Kings Herald, uh, I'd like to, uh, to thank you guys for listening once again. I'd like to uh, ask you to like, rate, and subscribe wherever, you, uh, wherever you're streaming this podcast from. And, uh, and on behalf of Jerry and on behalf of Tony, we'd like to wish you guys a happy holidays. Uh, be safe and we'll, we'll see you in the new year. Thanks. Tiffany Hop to the King's Herald Barbershop.